so excited because God has like an awesome word for us today. And it's so funny that, Lou, that you came to testify today because it just goes along with what you said, with what you were saying, what you were testifying about. Um, just to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, what's been going on. Um, uh, went to Coachella for work. Uh, was there Thursday through came back Monday. Um, met a bunch of cool different like people. But a lot of you have been asking me like, how was it? You know, how was your experience? And the one thing that really impacted me going to this to this festival was passion. Was people's passion there for their music, for their culture, for each other. I met like some really nice people. Like everybody there was really friendly, really nice. Um, and everybody's just like everything that I saw that I encountered was like, man, these people are really passionate. I was like, people are like are dancing and they're going crazy and they got flags and they got everything. And, you know, I was like, man, like we got to be passionate like that about the Lord, you know, like we got to be louder than the world is for their music. Like um, I think it was uh, what was the pastor's name that we heard at Jesus Culture? Um, Chris. What was his name? I forgot his name, but he said he said something so cool. He was like, if you're going to be loud about your devil, I'm going to be even louder about my Jesus. And I wasn't thinking that there, but I was walking around the campgrounds. And um, when I had a moment, I would just start praying. I just started praying for everybody that was there. And my prayer wasn't God, like, end this and judge them and destroy these heathens. You know, my prayer was like, God, bless these people. They're your children, Lord. And I was walking by and I was like, bless this person, bless, bless this person. And we walked over to this area where we had to film something. And it was uh, like a section off area. Uh, we couldn't, nobody could get in there. And then we got in. And the security guard uh, there was a young lady. It's like 95 degrees outside. And they have her in an all black suit. And... People are giving her attitude and stuff like that because she's not letting them into where they want to get into. And so I start talking to her. And I had asked God, I was uh, on Wednesday, because I found out on Wednesday that I was going. I asked God, I don't want to go, but if you're going to send me, Lord, let it be your will that you're sending me and let me at least touch one person's life. And in that moment, as soon as I started talking to this girl, I was like, I knew exactly why I had come to Coachella. And this girl's name was Jasmine. And we started talking, and we started talking, and I just started asking her a bunch of questions. Like, and we started talking, and it turns out that she quit going to school because of something. Um, she didn't really want to share why, but she quit going to school to get a job. And she lives in Huntington Park, and she's working all the way in Coachella, dressed in all black. And she's like, I'm talking to her, and she's standing, she's sitting next to the Sahara tent, which is all EDM music. And um, she's like a young Hispanic girl. She's like, I don't even like this music. Like, I wanted to watch Ice Cube, and they sat me by this noise. And I started laughing. And right before I walked away, we had to leave. I was like, Jasmine, I was like, I was like, I encourage you. It was so funny. Like, I didn't even say anything about God, but I felt that it was like God speaking to her. I was like, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you need to go back to school. Like, you need to go back, and you need to finish and it was so cool. I wish Amaris was here. She's studying kinesiology. She wants to be a sports medicine doctor. And I was like, I was like, I grew, I, I was born in Huntington Park. I know what those um, neighborhoods are like. I know what growing up there can possibly mean, whatever you're going through. I told her, I was like, but don't give up on your dream or on your hope. Like, keep going. And she was just like, 
thanks. And I just walked away from her. But it was so cool. But what I came away with was passion. They're like people there are so passionate about what they're doing. All the artists, there's, it's like really eclectic. There's so different types of artists there. And today I want to talk to you about kind of something that relates to that and something that relates to what uh, Lou was talking about. Uh, I called it uh, transforming presence. So I knew April was coming like full steam ahead. And I knew that we had all these events and all these things coming along. Um, and I went to Guatemala for my grandma's 75th birthday, and um, I knew that I hadn't, I hadn't been there in 16 years, and I was kind of scared, too, because every time I go there, like, I end up getting sick from my stomach. So I knew, like, April was going to be just, like, a crazy month. And on top of that, I was going to have to spend two, over two weekends away from, from my love, from Meryl. Um, so... I tell you this, like, I'm so happy to be back here. Like, I'm so happy to be back home. Um, today during the worship, I was just like, dude, like when Johnny started singing, better is one day in your courts. I was like, God, I know it's talking about heaven, but heaven is here at Grace and Love. And like, I feel like one day here at Grace and Love is better than two weekends at Coachella. <laughs> and way better than being in 100 degree Guatemala in the air conditioning here. Thank you, God, for this air conditioning. But I'm so happy. I wish... I wish I do. Uh, I do wish more of, more of you guys were here because I just I miss you all. But for those that, of you here, you're in for a treat. So the last Sunday before April was Easter service, um, and uh, Easter service. I was up there. We were uh, worshiping, and it's so cool that that was like the first Sunday before April, and now this is the first Sunday first Sunday after April. And I knew April was going to be kind of intense, and it was going to teach me something. And so while I was up there playing guitar, we were singing Let It Rain, which is what you were worshiping to on the way here, right, Lou? So we were singing Let It Rain, and I had a vision. And in the vision, I'm watching the rain, and I'm just looking up. And I don't even know if I stopped playing the guitar at that moment. I just zoned out. And I was watching the rain, and I was like, yes, God, like, let it rain, like, let it rain. And God was like, okay, stop looking at the rain for a second and look around. And he showed me the desert I was standing in. And as the rain was coming down, the desert started turning into an oasis. And it started turning into like palm trees and like rivers and like green grass and, and waterfalls. And it just looked so beautiful. And God was saying, it's raining, but don't get caught up necessarily just on the rain. Realize that as the rain comes, it brings transformation. And so... What I started thinking about was that, started thinking about transformation, and, um, you know, I was like, ooh, that's like a good, like, word, like, to pray over people, and I thought I was going to get a moment to pray, and it didn't happen. Uh, thankfully, I wrote it down um, before I forgot. Uh, you know, I encourage you guys to take notes. If God gives you something or if God gives you a dream, like, write it down. Um, and I wrote it down, and Mario had asked me, I think two weeks ago or a week ago, if I wanted to preach on Sunday. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. And I was like, man, this is going to be rough. Like, I'm going to Guatemala, and I'm coming back, and then I got to, like, get ready to, like, uh, preach, and then I'm going to a wedding on Saturday. Um, so it was kind of intense, and I was kind of thinking, like, what am I going to talk about, Lord? And then I started going through my notes, and then God showed me this, and he's like, this is what I want you to talk about. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. And so sometimes as, as believers, especially in this place, being that we're so like Holy Spirit, like crazy and hungry, 
is that we sometimes forget that his presence transforms everything. Sometimes we become so accustomed to the presence that we forget the responsibility that we have in anticipating how his presence transforms things. Sometimes we get so used to Jesus, we come to just like if it was any other service, and we forget and we say, oh yeah, Jesus, Jesus was there, you know, it was cool. But we forget that when Jesus shows up, it automatically puts a demand on our life to respond to his goodness. So the first part, and I'm going kind of fast because I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me a couple of things to pray about during worship. The first part, I'm calling it worship proposes to transformation. Worship proposes to transformation. Like a boyfriend getting on his knees to his girlfriend proposing. Will you be my wife? So too, when God's people worship, it's like we're getting on one knee and we're romancing God and we're saying, won't you come? Won't you be one with me? Edwin, if you can put up Psalms 22.3. And you can go to it if you want. Psalms 22.3. It says, you, this is David talking to God, you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. I heard this really cool thing. God uses our praises to create a throne in our heart. When we worship, God fills our worship with his presence. God inhabits the praises of his people. That's awesome because when we worship, it's like we're proposing, come transformation. Come heaven, right? And so... It's just amazing that you see, like, that God responds to us when we respond to him. And that it actually moves him when we worship him. Worship is kind of like the beginning of change, of real change. So, transformation. I want to talk about that word a little bit. Transformation in the Bible, uh, the best word for that is uh, actually metamorphosis. Um, and that word metamorphosis is actually used when Jesus takes John and Peter, I believe, up on the mountain, and he transforms, and he shines white, right? And, his, and his, his, his wardrobe that he's wearing is just like glistening and glowing, and there's light coming out of him. And that's a glory that the Bible compares to like Moses. Moses veiled the glory, but Jesus just full on like let his disciples see the glory. And it didn't fade, and it has not faded. But that metamorphosis um, is also used in a couple of different areas of the Bible. You know, sometimes, like I said, we get so accustomed to just seeing like, oh, yeah, there's Jesus and all his glory and all his honor. His eyes are on fire. That's cool. That's a cool trick, Jesus. Um, you know, but we shouldn't get used to it. We should constantly be making it new. Uh, Edwin, can you put up 2 Corinthians 3.18? It says, but we... All with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're in amazement, right? We're in awe and in shock when we read that Jesus' face was glowing and his wardrobe was shining. But God sees you the same way. And it says that you would be transformed into the same glory of your Father by the Spirit of the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. 
Put up Romans 12.2. When this church first started, our Bible study was Romans. I don't even think we ever finished it. But we went through most of the chapters. And we camped there at the beginning of this church. And on that Sunday, um, I think it was that Sunday before April started, um, we prayed and God said that this church, you are small. That is true. But the truth is that you're a mighty church. And so in Romans it says, um, no, it's still Corinthians. Romans 12, 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, so don't settle. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So I was doing some research on this, and the best example is the butterfly. The butterfly starts off as a um, caterpillar. Sorry, I don't like bugs, so. Um, dude, I saw some huge bugs in Guatemala. It was bizarre. Um, so the butterfly starts off as a caterpillar. And what I found was that the, the caterpillar has to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And we're very good at that here at Grace and Love. We have to eat and eat and eat, but we have to eat Jesus, right? And the, the caterpillar has to eat and eat and eat until it goes into a cocoon and it comes out not as a caterpillar that flies, but it comes out as a butterfly. It comes out as a new creation. It is transformed. That's called, the word there is metamorphosis. When we come into Jesus, we come out as a new creation. We are transformed. And when we are transformed, we lift up worship that proposes more transformation unto God. It's an ongoing, um, unending cycle. And so in my vision, I could feel God was calling us like, calling us deeper, like come in deeper. Uh, a lot of time, I can remember in sports, the coach would say, don't get caught looking. You know, a lot of like great athletes, they'll be like, they'll get interviewed and they'll be like, they saw Michael Jordan play or they saw Kobe Bryant play. And they'll say stuff like, man, I used to just get caught up in it and just watching him that you, you forget what to do. Right. And I remember the coaches telling me like, you know, don't get caught looking, like get in the game, like don't be a spectator. And I was like, you know, I would do that if I wasn't on the bench. But, <laughs> but no, but really they would say like, don't get caught being a spectator, like get in the game, you know. And so the second part, I'm calling it the transformer, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit. So put up Proverbs 14.4. The next verse, it says, where no oxen are, the trough, or other versions say the, the manger, is clean. But much increase, or another version says, but much revenue comes from the strength of an ox. The Holy Spirit is like an ox, but the Holy Spirit in you makes you like an ox. Now, the ox was used to plow the ground. They were used to, to move the land around, to plant the seed. And the landowner, when they had the ox, they had certain expectations that by using that ox, they were going to gain revenue, that they were going to gain a return on their investment into the land. Now, when Jesus came, he came and he transformed us, and he transforms everything around us. And when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we become that ox, 
And Jesus becomes kind of like the director or the lead, the landowner. He bought the land and he has sent us all out to tend this land because he's waiting on a return. He's waiting to see more children come into the kingdom. He's waiting to see more increase, more kingdom unveiled and unrolled out into this world. Right? His prayer was on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, one of the cool things in Guatemala when I went over there, um, I went for two reasons. Um, one, my grandma uh, turned 75, so we had a big party for her. And um, my aunt has a school over there. Um, and it, every year it just keeps growing and it keeps growing. And she wanted me to go over there and speak to the kids. Um, like she personally is experiencing like revival in her life. And um, like her story is just awesome. Like she's coming back in June and maybe she can share or something. But uh, she asked me, she's like, I want you to come speak to the kids. I was like, okay, uh, to the older teenagers. What I talked to them was about the value that they possess. Um, sometimes, and I asked them, I asked them, I, I, I said, what is something valuable that you possess that you protect? You know, the price you pay for something determines its value. And I asked him, like, what, what is it that you, that you possess that you, that you think has value in your life? And a lot of them actually said, my family, my mom, my dad, um, you know, uh, the time that I spend with them. I was half expecting them to say, like, my PlayStation, my Xbox, like, my basketball, my soccer ball. But they didn't say anything of that. I actually said my family and stuff like that. And I told him, I said, I said, your value is not determined by who you're with or where you're at or how much money your parents have or how much money you have. Your value is determined by the life of Jesus Christ, I told him. That is the value of your life. Because what something costs determines its value. And everybody here also, your life costed Jesus his life. So your value is Jesus. And that's what I told him. I told him, because you have um, Jesus there who died for you, your value, nobody can overpay that. And I told them and I encouraged them to, uh, to continue to press forward with their studies um, and to value themselves, to respect themselves as young teenagers. Um, I talked to them about pursuing their dreams and that God wants to invest into their dreams and, and that he's with them. Because a lot of times, since we don't value ourselves, we don't value our dreams. And I was telling them to like push forward, like to constantly keep believing that God is with them. And I want to share the spoils with you guys because I believe that we're a family. And if, if one person goes somewhere and ministers, like the reward doesn't just go to them. It goes to all of us. And I asked him if any of them needed prayer. And some needed prayer because they were having suicidal thoughts. And some needed prayer because they felt alone. One girl in particular, her name is Denise, um, she asked for prayer because her dad was coming down from the Capitol uh, in January, and he was robbed. They took a lot of his money to the point where they've had to scale back on almost everything, like food, clothing, um, everything, um, because of that moment. And the girl, the young teenage girl, has taken that upon herself like a burden. And she just feels depressed. She sees her dad, how he's so sad. Uh, and my sister, Leslie, and uh, my mom helped me, like, in praying with the kids and praying for them and talking to them. And Leslie talked to them and all this um, and just encouraged her and told her that the best thing you could do is just keep studying. 
and that'll bring joy to your dad. And I asked my aunt when I came back, I asked her, I was like, what's the testimony? Like, ask these kids for testimonies. Like, we want to know what God has been doing. Let's follow up with them. That same girl, I guess, went home and she told her mom, she said, she said, uh, uh, you know, uh, they call her Senora uh, Dominguez, had a guest speaker today. Thank you. And um, what he shared really touched my life, she said. And she went and she told her mom, and her mom called and called my aunt and told her, thank you so much for doing that, because that has so changed my daughter. So let's give God glory for that. And God notices that. Like, he sees us, like, going out and doing stuff like that every time that we give a word to somebody. And he, it brings a reward. It really does bring a reward. And I just feel, like, so, like, hungry and so, like, passionate about all of this stuff that happened in April. Um, which leads me to my next point. Like, we should be so hungry to see the kingdom transform the world around us. Um, I was thinking about this on the way back from Guatemala, actually, and I thought behavior doesn't determine hunger. Hunger determines behavior. A lot of you maybe aren't hungry for Jesus. And the reason is because maybe you're not spending enough time with him. Because if you were, you would want more. And if you were, then you would see that everything that touches him or comes around him or he comes around changes. And you would realize that as you come around him more, you can actually be the transformation in your area. And so I was thinking about how um, when I was preparing for this preaching, I was thinking, God, like, you know, I need to have a moment with you. Like, I need to have a moment. I need the word, like, for this Sunday. And, um, and God was just saying, like, just you, you've never been one to go into the word to pull out a message. So why start doing that now? I was like, you're right. I'm going to chill. I'm going to be patient. And sure enough, I found these notes, and God said, see, dedicate moments to me, and I'll surrender you with a lifetime of presence. A lot of times we want, we want, oh, I want God to give me this, or I want God to give me that, but we won't give him the moment to give it to us. And God is saying, I'm not going to create the moment for you. I want you to create the moment for me, and he'll come. And sometimes the Holy Spirit does come, and then you feel his presence, and you think, wow, like this is awesome. But most of the time, God as a true gentleman is saying, won't you dedicate a moment to me? And sometimes we have a hard time even dedicating these two hours to God. But it's because what we do during the week, we don't dedicate moments to God. So if you're not hungry, you need to dedicate a moment to Jesus. And your behavior will follow suit. Don't try to change your behavior. The word says that God will spit out the lukewarm, not the cold and not the hot. Being cold, if you acknowledge it and are aware of it, is not a bad thing because he'll heat you up. And obviously, if you're hot, it's a good thing. But if you're lukewarm, then you're, you're, you're faking a hunger that you don't really have. One of the cool things that I heard at, at the call um, was... Uh, you know, I went there and I was so excited and so happy and I was like fanboying it like when I was like, when I saw like Todd White and Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin, I was like, look, there they are, there they are. And, um, and I was so excited. But the one thing that I won't forget that whole day, I don't even know this girl's name, but at the very, very end, uh, she said, 
we, it was like after I forgot his name, he preached, and then they still did worship from like 10 to 10:30. Um, she said, she said, for those of you that are still here, like let's just stay here and worship God for a moment. And she said these words that I'll never forget: "The hungry stay until the end." I was like, man, that hit me. The hungry stay until the end. When I came back from Coachella, like, I left Coachella, but Coachella didn't leave me. We were still working, like, 12-hour days on Tuesday, on Wednesday. I wanted to come home and spend time with my wife. Like, I wanted to come home and spend genuine time with her. And I couldn't. I was, like, on my phone. I was, like, emailing. And it's my project. So it's not like I could just leave it in somebody else's hand. I am the responsible one. And so... I was thinking, I'm canceling the trip to Guatemala. I'm not going anymore. Like, it's okay if I don't go talk to those kids. It's okay if I don't go over there for my grandma's birthday. I'm going to cancel it. And I just started praying about it, and I started talking to the mayor about it, and I just felt like God started encouraging me, like, just go. Like, just persevere, you know? And sometimes we think about persevering, like, oh, like, it's happy, and, like, you know, we're persevering, and stuff like that. I was like, but persevering until the end doesn't always mean that you have the best attitude. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that you always have the perfect attitude, that you're the happy Christian, you know, that's like fun and everything. You know, I had some bad attitude towards my coworkers um, just because of some of the stuff that was going on. And I apologized. But I learned that when you persevere through something, it doesn't always necessarily mean that you have like the best attitude of all time, but it doesn't mean that you're disrespectful either, but it just might mean that you might have some doubts there. But the thing is, if you keep pushing forward, the hungry stay until the end, you'll see the reward at the end. So the transformer is the Holy Spirit. He changes everything. And the last part is called transforming presence engages your dreams. Some of you have passions and dreams, but you've let your circumstances dictate your dream. You've downgraded your dreams to your circumstances, but God believes so much in you. God believes so much in you. You don't have a right to stop dreaming. You don't have the right to stop dreaming big. Some of us lower our expectations to what we see happening around us, and that's not right. We must constantly be lifting up the standard to Jesus. And Jesus is, is like perfect. He's always happy. And he's always, he's always seeing breakthrough happening. Um, in Guatemala, in the school, it's called, the funny thing is it's called Monteveo, which Montebello, like here, where we're at. And in your preaching, I heard you say, like, you're starting to accept that God has called us here. <laughs> and so... Um, I just thought it was funny that, like, you know, we're here in a city called Montebello, and my aunt's school is called uh, Monteveo. That school started like a dream. In her dream she had, she was flying in outer space, and she saw little kids. My aunt has been, um, I won't say what, but she's been going through, like, a, a, like a hard struggle the last couple of, of years, and she finally has kind of said, like, I, I reconcile with Jesus. Like, I reconcile with the Lord. And she's starting to see things just like, kind of like domino effect, like get better and better and better and better. But the one thing that God has always been faithful with has been this school. 
because it's not about her. It's about the kids. And so she had a dream where she saw kids, like little kids coming. And, and like, I think it's been four, five years now. And that school started off with like a couple classrooms. Then she built a second floor. Now she's extending the second floor. Now she's trying to buy land next to that to extend the kids' playground. Every year she has an increase of kids coming and coming and coming and coming. And when I went there and experienced that, the first thing that I did was I walked around the thing and I could just feel the Holy Spirit. And I could just feel like that moment giving me hunger, like saying like, this is what I want for grace and love. This is what I want. That we started off in a, in a backyard and we had to go into the house. Then we went to Culver City and then we couldn't be there. So then we came here. And God will add to our number. He will give us our own building. He will bring increase. And we're going to see like a great impact come out of this church. So she had a dream and God poured into her passion and she built the school. She told the kids um, after I spoke, it like gave her courage because uh, she had never like actually talked to them like the way she did after I spoke. She talked to them and she said, you were my dream. And now you're a realized dream. To teenagers that are maybe like 16, 15, that started going there when they were like four or five. She said, you were my dream, and now you're a reality. We need to dream because God will pour into it and will transform everything around us to bring about kingdom change to this world. At the orphanage, uh, when we went, my, uh, my little buddy, <laughs> his name is Angel, uh, such a sweet moment when I was playing with him. This girl came up and wanted to take the soccer ball from him. She's like, he's like, no. He's like, estoy jugando con mi amigo. And I'm like, oh, I have a friend. <laughs> and that was such a sweet moment. And one of the things that I've been like talking to him about, like trying to kind of renew his mind outside of the orphanage is I always tell him, don't be defined by this place. Don't let this place dictate how you grow up. Now, that might be a hard thing to say to an orphan who has no mother, who has no father, who's growing up in a place where, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of rough, right? They're known as the orphans, but that's not their identity. When we go there, and I encourage you all to go there, there it, this whole thing is bigger than you. Like, there is no excuse for you not to go. Like, when we go there... The gospel should be the first thing we preach, but how we preach it should be, you are bigger than this place because Jesus made you to be bigger than this place. We cannot conform to the fact that they're orphans. We shouldn't even call them orphans anymore. They're children of God. And they're the future of Mexico. And that's how I talked to those kids in Guatemala. I told them, you're the future of Guatemala. Guatemala is so beautiful, but people trash. The rivers are like full of trash and there's like, there's just like a lot of disorganization and there's a lot of corruption. Now we can say, oh, that's just how Latin America is supposed to be. That's just how some of the other third world countries are supposed to be. Ah, Africa is a stink hole. Like it's supposed to stay like that. Like, no, that's not how things are supposed to stay. Things are supposed to be transformed into something new. The nations, God wants the nations and it doesn't happen unless you dream. I really liked uh, Mario's preaching. <laughs> Uh, from two weeks ago, that's when I was at, at Coachella, and I think you called it knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, right? And it was so good. I was thinking, I was like, man, this is community. 
We need people that to come here that have an, a, a knowledge of, of making videos, of playing guitar, of, of teaching, of taking care of kids, people who have an understanding of counseling people, of, of, of just walking people through the gospel, people who have wisdom in how to like deal with issues and stuff like that. Because we all have different gifts and we all need to come together to work on those things. And that's why I'm such a big like encourager of like, if you, got, if you wanna go to school, go to school about something that you're passionate about. It's not so that you can get a job and that you can get more money. Like, don't do that. Like, don't do that. Like, go get, go, like, if you're passionate about music and you think, well, how am I going to make money like that? Don't worry about that. That shouldn't be your thought. If you are artistic, if you are creative, I think Meryl said uh, this, like, forget the naysayers, like, go after, like, your creative stuff. Like, just do it because we need that here and God's going to use that. Let me read this to you and then we'll pray. This is what I wrote down kind of for closing. <clears throat> And I want you guys to kind of take this to heart, like I really do. And for those of you listening in the podcast, you too. We should be the presence that transforms the atmosphere. We are the kingdom catalyst because we are the peculiar people who carry a presence so pure and so holy. We are the impending change, not the impending judgment to prophesy impending doom. We are the impending change. God is asking, won't you step into people's deserts and transform them into an oasis? To each and every single one of you, I ask you, God is asking you, will you step into people's deserts and change them into an oasis with the rain that he is bringing? Don't get caught just looking at the rain. I mean, if you need to, you need to. But once you're ready, take that rain and become a well for somebody. In Guatemala, it hasn't really been raining. I went and I realized how crazy the climate change actually is. And people's wells are drying up, like where they get water from. My dad's cousin told me that the well it's so hot, the ground is so hot that the water is boiling, like bubbling at the bottom. That's water that they drink. And God was just saying, like, like see, like, it's kind of like, what, what have we done? But God, is, God's, God doesn't end there. He says, but let's do something about it. We can pray and the land can be healed. We don't even have to get all, like, scientific about it. Everybody drive a Prius and don't use plastic bags. The Bible says creation is groaning, waiting for the children of God to arise and it will give up its fruit. Why? Because God doesn't take the old and make something new out of it. He takes the old and completely like, like a potter, he like stomps it and then creates something new like the butterfly. This transforming presence I feel in my spirit uh, I feel my spirit, it's time to press into the true meaning of hope. I feel that, um, I feel that transforming presence is breakthrough. What have you been waiting for? What have you been longing for? What have you been seeking? What are you hungry for? So I wrote, I feel my spirit, it is time to press into true meaning of hope. 
Hope is the joyful anticipation of his goodness unfolding upon our lives. Hope is the joyful anticipation of the transformation coming about because of his abiding presence. We've heard God be called Jehovah Jireh, our provider, the one who provides our every need. We know him as Jehovah Rafi, which means healer. He heals us. But he's also Jehovah Shama, which means the Lord is present. And when he is present, things have to change. They can't remain the same. So it begs the question, what will you do with Jehovah Shama? Will you surrender moments like Lou was saying? Will you surrender? Will you surrender moments to him? Will you surrender Sundays to him? Will you surrender Wednesdays to fasting and praying with us? Will you surrender Bible study or will you surrender your own moments, your own intimate moment? Those are the most important ones. Will you surrender moments to him? Because God is waiting to transform something in your life. His transforming presence is Jehovah Shammah. It's the Lord is present. And he is always with us. Uh, while we were worshiping, I felt like I went through that kind of fast, but I still took long. <laughs> Um, I felt like a couple things like God was saying I'm, like I said I'm just so excited to be back here um, if you could stand on your feet we need to anticipate and expect change because of God's presence so I want you to close your eyes for a second I want to stir up faith today and I expect there to be something today. It doesn't matter how many people are in here. During worship, something really stuck out to me. And Johnny said, lift up your voice. God wants to hear your voice. Now, I'm not God, but I didn't hear a lot of you. So let's just take a moment to pray. by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.